0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, unwanted pets and relatives, it's me, Mr. Palumbo, and welcome to the Professor Liberty Podcast. Here at Professor Liberty, we seek to educate, inspire, and restore. We are all things social studies, from economics to government to history, and heck, we even throw in some geography for good measure, ...when the situation calls for it. Thanks for listening, folks. I really appreciate it. You know I said there wouldn't be an episode today, but I woke up this morning with a lot of ideas and thoughts swirling in my head. So much so that I actually started this podcast and it morphed into something completely different. So I'm going to use that on Wednesday. So I'm here with the residual parts of this episode. Again, thanks for listening. And don't forget to give me a five-star rating... At Apple Podcasts. So today's episode is entitled War and Memorial Day. As most of you know, today we are observing something called Memorial Day. And while mo- most people correctly understand this day has something to do with the military, we often confuse this day with Veterans Day. So let's clear that up from the jump. Memorial Day is observed on the last Monday in May and it is dedicated to remembering and honoring those who have died in war. Veterans Day is on November 11th, and though it's originally called Armistice Day in celebration of the end of World War I, it is now called Veterans Day, and that day honors all people who have served in the military. Regarding Memorial Day, History.com writes, Originally known as Decoration Day, It originated in the years following the Civil War and became a federal holiday in 1971. Many Americans observe Memorial Day by visiting cemeteries or memorials, holding family gatherings, and participating in parades. Unofficially, it marks the beginning of the summer season. On May 5, 1868, General John A. Logan, leader of an organization for Northern Civil War veterans, called for a nationwide day of remembrance later that month. The 30th of May, 1868, it was designated for the purpose of strewing with flowers or otherwise decorating the graves of comrades who have died in the defense of their country during the late rebellion, and those bodies now lie in almost every city, village, and hamlet Churchyard in the land, he said. The day of Decoration Day, as he called it, was chosen, but it wasn't the anniversary of any particular battle. On the first Decoration Day, General James Garfield made a speech at Arlington National Cemetery, and 5,000 participants decorated the graves of 20,000 Civil War soldiers buried there. Unquote. So since we're discussing those who have fallen in war, let's look at some statistics. The war with the most American casualties is the Civil War, and it's not even close. Over a half a million dead and wounded. World War II is the next with just over 400,000. World War I had over 100,000, and this actually surprised me. I, you know, I forget how many Americans died because our involvement with that war was so short and, in my opinion, unnecessary, but we'll get to that later. The Vietnam War was 58,000. Korea, 36,000, and I'm kind of rounding these up to whole numbers. The American Revolution, 25,000. The War of 1812, 20,000. The Mexican-American War was around 13,000. These were all real people, boys and girls, real humans. They all had lives, families, dreams, aspirations, and most were very young. The average age of a soldier in Vietnam was about 23. World War II is a bit older at 26. Did you know that since the terrorist attacks of 9-11 which is coming up on its 20th anniversary, which is just crazy to think about, 149 women have died in service to our country. Iraqi freedom deaths number around 4,500, and the total death toll of the war on terror is about 7,000. It's difficult to put faces to all these numbers, and while many men volunteered to serve, we have to remember that many didn't. They were conscripted. That means they were forced to fight. You know, as an 80s kid, I have to admit, I was red, white, and blue. I was a Rambo fan, still am, as you guys know if you've watched the YouTube videos. My favorite toys were those little pl- green plastic army men. I mean, I was a star-spangled banner kid. I mean, military was just going to, I knew I was going to go in the military. I wasn't even 18 when I signed up for the Navy, and I served six years until I was medically separated with an honorable discharge. My wife just retired from the Air Force after 22 years of distinctive service. So we're a family that understands more than most the sacrifice and the dedication required as a member of the Armed Forces. When 9-11 happened, I was completely behind the mission in Afghanistan. Iraq was a little more murky, but I believed... General Powell, Secretary Powell then, when he went up in front of the UN and showed the so-called proof that Saddam had weapons of mass destruction. But as the years followed, I started to change. I saw all these young people going overseas, dying, losing legs, faces half blown off, all in the name of freedom. But at the same time, our government was taking away our freedoms with things like the Patriot Act. And these men and women were coming home with PTSD, struggling with drugs and suicide, many still today. Their families were broken, and it seemed like no one cares. The war was just a political uh, football that the two parties were tossing back and forth. And these politicians, all who voted for it, paid no price for this terrible foreign policy. And so, you know, as I got older, I just couldn't help but wonder how many of these deaths were in vain. And look, I know we don't want to talk in those terms. We don't want to say that Johnny went over there for nothing. But we have this history now, boys and girls, where we keep getting involved with these conflicts overseas uh, ever since World War One. And uh, our boy uh, Woodrow Wilson and this concept of Wilsonianism, this idea of America needs to take an active role in the world, right? And we talked a little – a couple weeks ago about the Truman Doctrine and how the Truman Doctrine after World War II put America up front in engaging in foreign affairs of other countries. And, and we could maybe make an argument that that was justified. But just because something is justified 70, 80 years ago, 50 years ago, heck, 10 years ago, it doesn't mean it's justified today. But as many of you know, and Ronald Reagan had said, uh, the closest thing to eternal life on this earth is a government program. And a lot of that goes into foreign policy, too. We still have NATO. We still have a lot of these Cold War treaties and alliances uh, that, you know, There's no more Cold War. So why do we have these things? Uh, You know, why do we have bases all over the world? Why do we have a base in Germany? World War II was a long time ago. So I think we need to start asking some of these questions. And it's okay to ask these questions. And don't let the war hawks in both parties start to question your patriotism if you start challenging some of these status quo ideas. You know, I've come to a place where I'm extremely anti-war. I'm not a pacifist. But I'm definitely a non-interventionalist. And if we really wanted to observe Memorial Day, we'd work towards stopping our government from engaging in pointless and destructive foreign policy that really doesn't help or protect our country. Unless there's a direct danger to our country, and unless we have a clear objective, and here's the most important one, unless we are going to win, I side with doing nothing. We need to go back to our tradition of neutrality that we had all the way up until World War II. Let the other countries involved handle their own affairs. You know, I like that President Johnson, Lyndon B. Johnson, he had a quote, really great quote, that he said before he changed his mind about Vietnam. Before he got us into Vietnam, he was against Vietnam. And yet... Now he got us into another windless Cragmire. But before that, he said this, Why should I send American boys thousands of miles away to fight a war that Asian boys should fight for themselves? I love that quote. And I think presidents, every American president, before he goes to war, should ask himself that question. You know, President Barack Obama is quoted as saying, Our nation owes a debt to fallen heroes that we can never repay. If that's true, and I believe it is, shouldn't we be very cautious when sending our soldiers into foreign conflicts that will guarantee someone is going to die? So if someone is going to die, is it worth the price? This also brings up the point that we need to get back to the Constitution in this country. And if a president wishes to go to war, then he must seek the approval of Congress with a declaration of war. Did you know that we haven't officially declared war since World War II? So how many wars have we been in since then? And does that make all these other conflicts unconstitutional? It's kind of funny because I think I've quoted nothing but Democrats so far. I mean, I had the Ronald Reagan quote, but that wasn't really about war. And that's because the Democrats used to be the party war. It used to be the party of war until George W. Bush gave that distinction to the Republicans. But I'd like to say something about American culture before I dump all the blame on our elected leaders. During the aftermath of 9-11, President Bush had an approval rating in the 90s, which is unheard of, I often tell my students we were going to blow someone up for those attacks. We were going to retaliate. If Bush didn't want to go to war, the public would have you know they would have sent him they would have sent him packing. I mean he, they would have turned on the president. So sometimes presidents are uh, almost forced to uh to take action this is the opposite of say uh fdr who he wanted to take action during uh world war ii but we were against it the american people were against it so he could not do anything imagine that a president beholden to the people we haven't seen that in a while but there's a there's this one thing about emotions in war if you guys study war uh, it's kind of strange, but at the beginning of a conflict, there's this, I don't want to say joy, but if you look at World War One, for example, there was all this propaganda and all this, you know, we're going to win and, and the boys were, you know, all the men were fired up and, and we go to war with all these delusions of grandeur. And then the war starts and people are dying gruesome deaths. And so emotions uh, or a bad thing. And Americans, we, we're, we're a fighting people. Americans like a fight. But all I'm saying is sometimes war is not our leader's fault. Sometimes we get swept up in emotions too. And emotions lead to bad wars and bad wars lead to a needless death. I read a quote once and I couldn't, f- I don't remember who or, or, you know, I can't remember where I found it, but it went something like this. The best way we can honor our fallen soldiers is to not make more of them. And I wholeheartedly agree with this sentiment. We need to be diplomats first and foremost. And we need to stop the saber rattling. It doesn't make you weak if you're against war, okay? You're not a weakling if you're against war. All these people that put you down and put your patriotism down and put your manlyhood down— what? You're going go to go you're going to go to war because of pride and then people are going to die? Is is that what we're basing our foreign policy on? So we need to stop buying into the propaganda and the media like always has a part of this. They stir up emotions. And these emotions give our leaders license to send our youth into po- impossible situations. Before the media was against George Bush and against the war, The media was for George Bush and for the war. And remember, our young people pay the price for these decisions. The politicians pay nothing. So I'm going to leave you with this quote from a philosophical sage band of our time, the none other than Black Sabbath. In their song entitled War Pigs, they write this, The politicians hide themselves away. They always start the wars. Why should they go out to the fight? They leave that up to the poor. So this Memorial Day, let's honor the dead by working towards peace and cooperation. We need to make war the last resort. And if we do go to war, we need to crush the enemy. We need to stop practicing this new age, sensitive warfare, limited footprint warfare. That only gets more and more people killed, especially our people. And don't let the haters question your patriotism or your character, especially those who have never served. You can be pro-veteran and anti-war. Happy Memorial Day, folks. Until next time, here at Professor Liberty, we seek to educate, inspire, and restore. If you like this podcast, please give me a five-star rating at Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to email the show, the email is ProfessorLiberty1776 at gmail.com. You can also, if you are interested in some lessons and activities that I've created, please go to TeachersPayTeachers.com and search Professor Liberty. Until next time, folks, go throughout the land and proclaim liberty.